Doing the impossible is not something you make happen. It's something that you allow to happen. After conducting over 10,000 personal and group coaching sessions over the last decade, author and personal coach Jason Dries has unlocked the simple yet effective formula to accept and create success in your life on the most basic, instinctive level. In his latest book, Do the Impossible, Jason gives readers access to the same life-changing principles he provides in his personal coaching sessions. Ready to embrace success as a state of being? In this exclusive listener offer, get your copy of Do the Impossible for 50% off from the publishers at Bigger Pockets. To get your copy of Do the Impossible for 50% off any format, go to www.biggerpockets.com impossible50. That's 50% off any format, www.biggerpockets.com impossible50. Power blackouts. They happen every year, but guess what, blackouts? You've met your match. Say hello to Goal Zero, the leader in affordable home power backup systems and solar generators. Goal Zero's generators power your fridge, freezer, lights, Wi-Fi, TV, and more with clean power. Their home backup systems, like the Yeti 3000X, have no fuel, no fumes, no noise, and no maintenance. Just good, clean energy that keeps your home up and running. They offer a range of products and affordable price points, from power stations that can provide a half day's worth of power to solar generators and home backup systems that can keep you powered for one, two, or three days. Plus, they're all portable, so you can take your power with you when you go camping, tailgating, and more. So yeah, take that, blackouts. Our power is here to stay. Have peace of mind when blackouts hit. Go to GoalZero.com to learn more. So the idea that we have sufficient intelligence to communicate with another intelligent species is itself audacious. Is there another intelligent? Do you believe in life on other planets and other galaxies and other universes? I mean, it's such a I'm simplistic question. I'm not given question. any reason to doubt that the universe isn't teeming with life. Right. What, what, so it's not a matter of belief. The evidence is strong in its favor, though we haven't found it yet. Welcome to On Brand with Donnie Deutsch. I am Donnie Deutsch. Um, that's me. And this is On Brand. And this is a podcast that's uh, dedicated to a simple premise that everything is a brand today. Um, every person, every athlete, every celebrity, every politician, every religion, everything is a brand. The brand is a set of um, uh, attributes and a set of values. And we're all a brand. We've got a Facebook page with a brand. We do two things on the show. Um, we interview a big uh, name in and of themselves. Today, it's Neil deGrasse Tyson, probably the world's most renowned scientist. He kind of breaks down everything science into kind of terms that guys like me or people like you and me can understand. Um, he's a big part of pop culture. He kind of brings together science and pop culture and current events. One of the smartest guys in the room anywhere. Uh, and he's got a lot to say. We're going to talk to him. I'm sure you've seen him everywhere from... The Daily Show to Colbert and whatnot. And we also do what we call our brands of the week. And these are the brands that are kind of shaping the zeitgeist, who's up, who's down, and where our world is going. Let's get right to it. Our first brand of the week is um, Republicans brand down for trying to overturn Roe versus Wade in a poll. Obviously, brand down. I went into this last week. We don't have to go into why I, it's such an atrocity. But this is a brand down, how it might be working against them coming into the midterms. According to a YouGov poll, Overturning abortion rights is twice as likely to activate Democratic voters in the midterms as is Republicans. Among Democrats, 40%, 7% said they're more likely to vote in the midterms. And 
uh, Republicans only 25%, so they're more likely to vote in the midterms if it's overturned. And, you know, historically, abortion rights, even though, uh, you know, is the most emotional trigger point for voters, it hasn't been a key in voting. But I think this is different. This is going to, usually it's like 12% of people say it's kind of their first reason they're voting. But this is going to, I think, galvanize the Democrats and, and at least in the midterms, backfire on the Republicans. At least we can hope that. Brand down for Mitch McConnell, who is probably more responsible for this than anybody, going back to his refusing to uh, vote on Merrick Garland as a, as a Supreme Court justice. We would have had a very different decision with Justice Roberts writing it. But here's, here's the scary part. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said in a national abortion ban, could be possible if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade. In an interview with USA Today, McConnell said, if the leaked opinion became the final opinion, legislative bodies, not only at the state level, but at the federal level, hear that, at the federal level, certainly could legislate in that area. If this was the final decision, that was the point it should be resolved one way or the other in the legislative process. So yeah, it's possible. Basically saying that, you know what? Maybe we can make this a national thing. And this is pretty scary uh, if we get to that place. Uh, so huge brand down, Mitch McConnell. I'm going to give him a lifetime brand down for this alone. Brand up for certain corporate responses to the row, uh, possible overturning, or at least the leaked document. A lot of corporations have stepped forward, like Amazon, Levi Strauss, Citigroup, Lyft, Salesforce, Yelp. They've said they will pay for their workers to travel if they're in an area, if they're in a, they're working in a state where abortion rights are overturned. And corporations have got to step up. And I think this is where you, you kind of see where the rubber hits the road. A lot of them kind of want to keep their heads down. We talked a lot in the previous weeks about... Uh, how a lot of people don't want to see corporations dragged into politics. But I think in this instance, corporations need to be good citizens and stand behind their women. And it doesn't mean that they're pro-life or pro-choice. It just means that they're looking out for their employees and want them to be safe and will take care of them. And I think that's an amazing thing. So brand up for those corporations and any of the corporations that follow. Brand up for my friend, James Carville. You know, Carville really says, he's not really my friend. I just say my friend. Actually, I work for him. We, uh, got hired, uh, myself and a bunch of other ad people got hired uh, for the 92 Clinton ad campaign uh, that was run by him and George Stephanopoulos. So I work for the guy. But um, he this is he said, Carville said the GOP is justified in thinking the Democrats will sit around and talk about veganism and pronouns if Roe is overturned. Carville said, today they have no fear of the Democrats. That's why they do this. You've got to understand what a huge event this is in American politics. Roe is over two to one approval. And Alito and them said, we don't care at all. The Democrats are going to sit around and talk about veganism and pronouns. He's been very outspoken, like I have, like Joe Scarborough has, and a lot of other people really calling the Democrats on, on not being strong enough and have their kind of head still in a lot, big part of them in the culture wars uh, and worried about transgender bathrooms. Not that, that that doesn't matter, but that's just not where your political platform is. And they got to get their heads out of that and really fight and swing hard. This is There's a lot at stake here, obviously. Brand up for my friend, and she is my friend, Karine Jean-Pierre. Um, she's going to follow Jen Psaki as uh, the White House press secretary, first black woman, first openly LGBTQ person. It's interesting when they say openly, which means suggests in the past, maybe there were some, but they just weren't out, which is we're living in obviously different times today. Um, she's a dynamite woman. She did my first show when I had my Saturday night show. She was on my first panelist. She's bright. She's engaging. She's terrific. You know, unfortunately, the right is already going after her. Um, her live-in partner uh, is a CNN correspondent. I, I, they have a baby together. I certainly believe that she can keep church and state separated, but she's a wonderful choice, and I wish her nothing nothing but luck. Brand out for Representative Victoria Sparts. 
the House of Representatives' worst boss. And this is, I bring this up because to me, the way you really tell about somebody is how the people work for them feel about them. And she has the dubious title of the biggest staff turnover. Former staffers and other Republicans told Politico she frequently yells and curses his aides, belittling her staff's intelligence and berating them in front of others, members, constituents, and even the reporters in those of close proximity. Um, she acknowledged her working style is not for everyone. I can't stand people that are cruel to the people that worked. I can't say people that are cruel to anybody. But that is such a, that's, that's a real pet peeve of me. It just shows something about you. Everybody's nice to the person that you, you know, that you work for. It's how do you treat the people that work for you or work with you? And if you treat people like shit, you're a jerk. And so I give the big jerk award to Representative Victoria Sparts. Brand up for job seekers. Job openings soar. The economy now is an average of two available jobs for every unemployed person. Let me say that right now. Two available jobs for every unemployed person. That's the highest such proportion on record. America's employers added 428,000 jobs in April, uh, kept the unemployment rate at 3.6%. Employees have added at least 400,000 jobs for 12 straight months. But think about a jobs economy, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about this in some of my other brand up and downs today, that there are two job openings for every one unemployed person. So that's a good thing. Part of that is also something I'm going to call brand up for the great resignation. It has no end date. Companies should brace for a lasting culture of quitting. Job turnover is 20% higher in our new remote and hybrid working world, and it's going to stay that way, new research and technology research firm Gartner shows. Some 37 million people will leave their jobs in the U.S. this year, Gartner projects. It's a 20% jump from pre-pandemic levels. A lot of this has to do with the flexible workforce because people can leave jobs. That doesn't mean they have to move. People uh, have more flexible situations. It means the cost of living a job is far more lower. Remote work means there are many more places to land if you quit. Um, also, friendships are weaker. It's, it's interesting. I One of my themes on the show a lot is I really believe in the workplace, and I believe workplaces are suffering with all of this hybrid and flexible and remote working. And maybe one of the reasons people are quitting more is because they're just not making the, the bonds at work as much. They're just not as bonded to their workplace and to the people there. So the great resignation, a brand up or brand down, how, how you look at it, Brand up for golden passports. Wealthy Americans are buying second passports as a plan B for their families. Another of wealthy Americans, this is basically you can donate money to another country. The most expensive programs, for instance, range 1.1 million in Malta to 9.5 million in Austria, which basically gives you, uh, you know, instant citizenship in those countries. So if the shit hits the fan here and you want to be a citizen someplace else, you're already in there. Uh, this is a U.S. billionaires, tech entrepreneurs, celebrities look to create a plan B. There are more than a dozen countries that offer so-called golden passports and visas that now are affluent foreigners to receive citizenship. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't buy. It's a brand up for it, but brand down. No plan B, man. Come on, you're an American. Don't, don't, be, look, don't be looking for a way out. Don't be, don't be getting on that first uh, raft out. You got to stay here. Brand up for Dr. Strange. Conscious of big Bacchus opening for Marvel. 185 million domestically. Now that's just... The reason I bring this up is it's just not another Marvel movie. It's it, it it's just the fact that people for the right product are going back to the movies. Um, that what I'm going to predict is going to be a monster movie in a couple of weeks. Top Gun Maverick, the sequel to Top Gun starring Tom Cruise, is coming out. Tom Cruise now plays the flight instructor, and it looks great. It's getting early, amazing reviews. So I'm going to give a a predictive brand up for that. Another predictive brand up for a Dirty Dancing sequel with Jennifer Grey. Uh, they're coming out with a Dirty Dancing sequel. She will be in it. Um, Dirty Dancing, one of the most iconic pop culture movies of all time. One of those little movies that just exploded. 
According to Lionsgate, Dirty Dancing is the best-selling library title in the studio's arsenal. There was a prequel, Dirty Dancing Havana Nights, which was released in 2004. It didn't do too well, but it's getting a lot of chatter. And Jennifer Grey is a really, really, really cool woman. Um, and nobody puts baby in the corner. So we'll see if baby anybody puts baby in the corner in the sequel, but I highly doubt it. Brenda Fred Koch. And um, I don't know how I feel about this. The New York Times did a very, very big story this past Sunday. You know, there were always rumors when Ed Koch was mayor in the 70s and 80s uh, that he was gay. You know, he was a confirmed bachelor. Those were the words they used to use in those days. And he was never out. He never came out. Um, and this is a story about speaking to a lot of his close personal associates and friends about his life as a closeted gay back then. And uh, I don't know, I'm torn about whether this article needed to be written or not, post-mortem. Uh, it's certainly a sign of the times that he did not feel comfortable at that point. I don't, I don't begrudge him one way or the other. That's everybody's choice, obviously, to come out or not to come out, whether it's today, yesterday, the day before. Some people in the gay community uh, found it a problem that he didn't come out because he had the chance, just like Harvey Milk, to kind of, in San Francisco, to set a precedent for politicians and obviously paved, paved the way for people like Pete Buttigieg today. But I wasn't sure why the Times did it. I don't know if it needed to be done. Uh, most New Yorkers kind of assumed he was gay and he's not alive now. And I'm not quite, sh I'm not quite sure why that needed to be done. But I give Ed Koch a brand up because he was a great mayor and uh, just loved the guy as a guy growing up in New York City. Brand up for Andy Warhol and Marilyn Monroe at Christie's on Monday night, $195 million for one of the iconic Marilyn Monroe paintings. Um, it surpassed Pablo Picasso's 1955 painting, Le Femme d'Algier, as the number one highest for a 20th century work of art. It's the highest for an American artist. What can you say? 195 million bucks for one painting. I believe Larry Gagosian, Larry Gagosian, the art dealer, bought it. I came in second. I bid $10, but that's it. No, uh, I don't know who came in second, but there you go. So I guess even though the economy is cratering, there are still people buying pieces of art for $200 million. Brand down for safe driving billboards. It's interesting. There's a general tendency to believe that awareness is always everywhere a good thing, but sometimes it can backfire. New York City announced this week it would spend $4 million on a campaign to try and curb dangerous driving behaviors like speeding. At the center of the campaign are billboards showing a gruesome traffic accident. Well, guess what? You could probably figure this out. Such visuals can end up causing more distraction. A recent study in Texas found that crashes actually increased by a few percentage points when drivers were confronted with signs displaying the number of road fatalities in the area, according to science. In-your-face, sobering, negatively framed messages seize too much attention, interfering with drivers' response to changes in traffic conditions. So here we got a billboard campaign to get people to drive safer, might be causing more accidents. I would not, as a former marketing ad guy, I would not have chosen billboards. Uh, I might have done this through social media. I, I just think, you know, if it's a message that's, drawing your attention. A billboard needs to just be like one simple thing, like a, a, a picture of a package or something. If it's too much and it takes too much attention, it's not a good thing. So I give that a brand down. Brand up for LA strippers. Now, this is not personally what I'm, I'm not saying. I'm not a, uh, a uh, purveyor of, of strippers. Nothing wrong with that, but it's just not my thing. Uh, Basically, they're forming a union. A group of strippers who perform at a Los Angeles topless bar are planning to form a union after working on the job to protest work conditions. The strippers who routinely appear at the Star Garden topless dive bar in North Hollywood voted to unionize in March. Earlier this week, Star Garden strippers asked management to recognize their union just weeks after walking out. So why not? Let's give it up for the LA strippers trying to unionize. Why shouldn't they? This is a great story. Huge brand up for Hot Wheels. They're launching their first remote control wheelchair toy in partnership 
with um, uh, Paralympic athlete Aaron Wheels Fothingham. He, he's, he was born with a spina bifida and has been a full-time wheelchair user since the age of eight and is known for performing elaborate tricks and backflips in his wheelchair. And he helped them design a wheelchair. So there's a Hot Wheels wheelchair with a ramp and an action figure in it. So for kids who are wheelchair-bound or, or anything in that ilk, Guess what? You got your Hot Wheels toy that is something you can, that, that is, uh, maybe you can recognize a little piece of your own life in. So I think that's wonderful for Hot Wheels and good for them doing that. Brand up for Dr. Pepper. Uh, full disclosure, Dr. Pepper's ad agency is Deutsch LA, my old advertising agency. And the reason I'm giving them a brand up is they enlisted Barry Manilow, my favorite. I don't know if you're a list, listener, but you know that I'm a huge Barry Manilow fan. Um, as the spokesberry to bring back dark berry flavor, He's the spokesberry, get it, Barry Berry. And he had sang the brand's most original soft drink commercials throughout the 70s, even these big song and dance numbers, and they bring him back. Uh, obviously, it's kitschy. You know, hopefully they're going to appeal to a younger audience. You know, he's, he's I mean, Barry Manilow is the best. What can I say? So they get a brand up just for bringing Barry Manilow back. And a brand up for Burger King. Pregnancy Whoppers in Germany. That's right. They put special Whoppers, nine Whoppers together, specially designed Whoppers that indulge in cravings by creating special Whoppers for expecting moms. The sandwiches feature unusual pairings such as cucumber and jam, pickles and whipped cream, banana and eggs, fish fingers and applesauce, and fries with strawberry ice cream. There you go. Gotta love that. Burger King making the, the urging, the, the craving Whoppers for pregnant women. And those are our brands of the week. Let's get to our interview now with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, this is going to be one of the most interesting interviews you'll ever listen to. The man is brilliant. He, Whatever you think you know about science, you don't. You don't even know the questions to ask. And he makes it kind of incredibly relatable. He brings it together with pop culture. So even if you're not a science buff, just please listen to this. You're going to really enjoy it. That's that sound again. It's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Here's the bottom line. If you're selling anything online, you want Shopify. It's a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big businesses customized to your needs with a great-looking online store that brings your idea to life and tools to manage day-to-day -day and drive sales. Making your idea real opens up possibilities. It's a journey, but that's the beauty of entrepreneurship. Shopify believes in liberating commerce for all because entrepreneurship has the power to drive communities forward and commerce can be a force for good. I'm telling you, Listen to me, Shopify, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're selling anything, this is the all-in-one. Get started by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience. Access powerful tools to help you find customers, drive sales, and manage your day-to-day. -day. Plus, with 24-7 support, you're never alone. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. So go to shopify.com slash Donnie, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash Donnie right now. Shopify.com slash Donnie. Really check this one out, guys. Shopify. I want to talk to you about Alto IRA. Do you have an account with Coinbase? Are you thinking of opening one? Do you own any Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, or any other cryptocurrency? Cryptocurrency may represent the future of money. It's one of the most exciting investments opportunities to come around in some time. But what about taxes? When you do anything in life, there's one way to do it, and there's a smarter way. You might already be investing in cryptocurrency, but you know you can trade Bitcoin, Ethereum, and over 80 other cryptocurrencies in a tax-advantage IRA. With an Alto Crypto IRA, you can trade crypto like Bitcoin and avoid or defer taxes. Let me say that again. 
With an Alto Crypto IRA, you can trade crypto like Bitcoin and avoid or defer the taxes. Um, Alto's Crypto IRA is the easy way to get into crypto, into an IRA. Create an account in just a few minutes. Trade all you want without the tax headache. Invest as little as 10 bucks. No setup charges. Secure trading 24-7 through Alto's integration with Coinbase. 80-plus coins available, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Cardano. Want some sushi swap with your Bitcoin? No problem. Alto has you covered. Industry-leading security, the advanced encrypted standard for wallets and private keys. Multiple ways to fund your account. Make a cash contribution, transfer cash from an existing IRA, roll over an old 401k. Ready to take your investments to the next level? Diversify like the pros and trade without tax headaches. Open an Alto Crypto IRA with as little as $10. Just go to altoira.com slash brand. It's A-L-T-O-I-R-A.com slash brand. Start investing in cryptocurrency today. Go to altoira.com slash brand. Welcome to On Brand with Donnie Deutsch. And welcome, uh, my guest is the great, the one and only Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, simply put, the world's best-known scientist and astrophysicist. He's got, a, in a collaboration with a new book out, Welcome to the Universe in 3D. It presents stereoscopic color images, which can be viewed in 3D with a special stereo interactive whole thing going on. I'm going to hold up for our YouTube viewers, a young woman interacting with the book. Um, it is his, I said, 19th book, and he's going to probably correct me, uh, but we're not going to count <laughs> anyway. I, I, haven't been count, I haven't been counting, but uh, each book, I mean, think of all the books as, the, as an offering, and not all books offer the universe in the same way because not everyone learns the same way. Not everyone has the same uh, interest receptors, I should say. And so uh, this particular one is, is just a sort of a fun romp through objects in the universe that you normally see as just a photo. And here they just pop into life right in front of you. And the viewers built into the, into the binding of the book itself. So it, it doesn't fall out while you're walking down the street. <laughs> and so, so you can, um, but... For me, I, I like it because the I feel the universe every time I look up and every time I contemplate objects, whereas many people just say, oh, that's a pretty picture of a thing in the universe. This gives you an opportunity to experience the universe in all the dimensionality that it is. And so it's, it's a different offering to the public. I'll just slip in there real quick. There's six consecutive images, paired images, where there's the north, south, and the four seasons of the sky. And when you see, well, why would you look at the sky in 3D? Why? Because the stars that make the constellations that you love are completely spread in depth, right? They're not a thing embedded on a bowl over your head in the night sky. They're stars scattered across our galaxy. And you get to experience that. You get to see that and, and perhaps wonder how much how much, uh, uh, <laughs> how much credit or blame you're giving to the universe relative to your day's social what, what, life? What is the universe? How, how do you define the universe? The universe. Yeah, the, uh, because it's just, it, keeps it keeps changing. I, I just want to hear the ultimate scientist define the universe to What me. do you mean it keeps changing? No, it's every, it's what... <laughs> well, but how has it changed for you? Well, the, I, I the just... Universe is, it, it, I, it, it, to me, it was always a kind of a scientific explanation of the of of everything, and yet people have now kind of co-opted it. From here to our horizon is our universe, and the horizon is the 
a distance beyond which you cannot see because the universe isn't old enough for the light to have reached us from objects that lay beyond that edge. So that's a horizon. And so that light from those objects has been traveling nearly 14 billion years. So we see objects that have been giving us light for 14 billion years, and that's that enclosure is what we call the universe. And there may be more such enclosures. So we have to come up with a, a, a word bigger than universe. That's where, to I, was, that's where I was kind of. That's where I was kind of. Yeah, going. yeah, and that's where we get the multiverse from. Um, as opposed, not to be confused with the metaverse. Um, you you started oh, as a right. kid. You you fell in love. You I was reading where you went to the Hayden Planetarium one day, which now you are kind of the head of, and you stared up, and just everything changed for you. And that was kind of like your yeah. aha moment about what you wanted to do, what you were meant to do, and and what your calling was. You know, I, I wonder something, and I don't, you can't rerun this experiment unless it was already rerun in a multiverse. <laughs> but the uh, I, I, I do an experiment. I think to myself, when the universe called to me in the dome of the Hayden Planetarium, I, uh, I, I wonder if, suppose I had grown up on a farm somewhere in Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. then... That same night sky would be available to me practically every night that it wasn't cloudy so that a planetarium experience wouldn't be so singular to me. It would just be a continuation of what I would see from my farm backyard. Whereas for me as a city kid, and I grew up at a time where there was not only light pollution, which there still is, but there was also smog, air pollution, both of those prevented you from getting clear views of the night sky. And there's a lot of tall buildings. So a lot of sight lines terminate on a building rather than on the night sky. So you know what? New Yorkers do not have relationship with the night sky. It just comes down to that. So I'm nine years old, bada bing. I walk into the planetarium, they dim the lights, the stars come out, and I'm struck by it. And so I wonder if I'd known about that sky from childhood, what I think of it only as sort of the backdrop of my life, of anyone's life, or the wallpaper of the evening, Interesting. rather than as something to be struck by, would I have even become an astrophysicist? So I, I run through that thought experiment, and I don't really have an answer for it. I want to talk a lot today. You, you wrote a fascinating article last year for the Wall Street Journal about the mark. I'm a marketing guy, so the marketing of science, and, and you know, in the face of misinformation today, and particularly this was, uh, you know, uh, around the pandemic. And I forgot I'm, all about that article. Okay. Yeah, it was Great. like an op-eddy kind of it thing. It was an op-eddy yeah. thing in Wall Street Journal. I mean, you're so media omnipresent that I know these are little things for you, but it, it was a major <laughs> piece in the, in, the, in the journal. And how we need to market science better. And that, you know, particularly in this day of misinformation, I mean, you've got 14 million Twitter followers and obviously Twitter's in the news. But I, I've said all along that, Misinformation is the greatest danger, is the greatest existential threat today. It's our threat to democracy. It's a threat to who we are. And as a man of science, uh, talk to me about how we how we use science or, or the marketing of science to fight misinformation, because they are, I, I guess you would use those as complete antonyms, if you will, science and misinformation. Yeah, they are. And in fact, science as a mission statement uh, is all about establishing what is objectively true in the in the world and and what is not not only that the methods and tools of science ensure 
as as much as is possible, more than any other thing we've come up with in civilization. It's the goal is to make sure that you don't think something is true that is not, or think something is not true that is. And the methods and tools of science and the peer review and the repeating of the experiments and the the scientific method in, in summary is exactly what enables you, empowers you to arrive um, in, in a safe landing zone, provided that you do that properly. And so I've come to conclude, it's almost, it's almost a lazy conclusion, but it's, I feel it nonetheless, that people simply aren't taught what science is and how and why it works. So there's a problem in the educational system. If you can have a fully grown adult come out the other side and swear the earth is flat. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not there to hit the adult on the head. I'm saying something went wrong in your educational background. Did you think science was just some satchel of facts that'll just change at any given moment? And so you can pick and choose what you want. Is this really what you think science is? Do you think science is just some class you took? And you could ignore it if you want and move on. And that after your final exam, you can forget about it. No, you don't have that luxury because you're a voter in a free society in what we call a democracy. And you get to choose your own fate. You get to choose who leads you and what will happen to our sector of civilization. And if you are not scientifically literate in an era where the issues of science are fundamental to our egg, to our existence, and you can't, you can't apply what you have learned to vote intelligently on this and in an informed way, that is a recipe for disaster. Power blackouts. They happen every year. But guess what, blackouts? You've met your match. Say hello to Goal Zero, the leader in affordable home power backup systems and solar generators. Goal Zero's generators power your fridge, freezer, lights, Wi-Fi, TV, and more with clean power. Their home backup systems, like the Yeti 3000X, have no fuel, no fumes, no noise, and no maintenance. Just good, clean energy that keeps your home up and running. They offer a range of products and affordable price points, from power stations that can provide a half day's worth of power to solar generators and home backup systems that can keep you powered for one, two, or three days. Plus, they're all portable, so you can take your power with you when you go camping, tailgating, and more. So yeah, take that, blackouts. Our power is here to stay. Have peace of mind when blackouts hit. Go to GoalZero.com to learn more. So my, my lazy answer for you is it's the education system, right? Which is almost too easy to blame. The problem is we have a de-education system now, and it's called the smartphone, and it's called social media. Whereas even if people are taught you the thing we carry around in our pocket, we get bespoke media. And basically, if you're somebody that wants to believe that vaccinations don't work, you can go on your little machine in your pocket, and there are experts with quotes around experts, obviously, telling you what you want to hear. So how does how do we, and this is obviously a, a Rubik's Cube, and I don't want to say it's an unanswerable question, but how do we fight that? And that's obviously very in the news right now with Elon Musk taking over Twitter and, and 50% of the people getting the news from Facebook. And that that is, I've always said that this little machine in our pockets is, is the devil in certain ways because it, it allows us to stray from the truth and, and find justifications for it. 
Yeah, so part of the string you're referring to is if, if let's say I, I really are sure Earth is flat, it, there was a day where I kind of was alone in that view uh, in my neighborhood or even in my town. But now I type that into a Google search and I find every other person sure, in the sure. world who thinks this way, which gives me a false sense of, of authenticity, a, a, a delusional sense that, well, because these people agree with me, it must be true. So that's part of the education. Education is not just what you learn. Education is knowing how to ask questions, right? So again, we think of education as here's a textbook with words that are bold-faced and you get a vocabulary test at the end and and study for your exam. That's what we think education is. It's, It's not really that. It's an aspect of it. But education is learning how to think, how to process information that you're confronted with, how to judge it's authenticity, whether you should believe it, what, okay, that's what should be going on in the ed- circles of education. And right now, if a 45-year-old is saying earth is flat, I don't know if there's any way to bring him back. And yeah. so we have to really look at the next generation for that. And by the way, it's not just flat earth. That's the easy example. They're the people who were in denial of climate change for so long. By the way, we've made some progress there. Uh, I looked at the Republican platform in Texas uh, 2018 was, it was either 2016 going to 18 or 18 going to 20. I'd have to check my notes. But in that two-year period, the first of those two, this is the official canon for Republicans in the state of Texas. Uh, by the way, Texas, a third, nearly a third of its revenue is oil-based. Mm-hmm. So that's a sensitivity there. So in it, the first of the two, it said, um, we reject all claims of climate change. It's like a very, it was denial of science in a political platform. It was like, whoa. Yeah. Wow, how, why would they think they even have the latitude to do that? You know, that's like overeating this week and then next week saying, I want to repeal the law of gravity yeah. because I'm way too much and I don't agree with it. You don't have that luxury. That's not how it works. Well, two years later, it changed and says, we, we, uh, we reject a climate um, activists or climate alarmists. So it went from rejecting the science to rejecting the people. So I said, oh, that's progress. Okay. <laughs> I said, all right. Okay, let's now work on that. Okay. Yeah. So, so I think it, it is possible. But by the way, consider the printing press. Um, you know, uh, the movable type, the one we think uh-huh. of today, right. in the mid-1400s, the Gutenberg printing press. And do you realize it took, Something like 200 years or at least 150 years before anybody figured out you might use it to print news. Yeah. Right? That's incredible. So they they did something obvious. They printed books because books predated the printing press. They were all handwritten. But to do something different with it or interesting with it or innovative with it took more than a century. We've had social media for 15 years, maybe. Okay. And we're expecting to have everything solved and resolved. I, that may be unrealistic. When the automobile was invented, people were dying in the streets. Okay, they were getting hit by cars, pedestrians. People were getting into car wrecks and dying. Okay, do you say let's ban the cars? No. Someone said let's put in traffic lights. <laughs> let's put in crosswalks. Right. Let's let's figure out how to keep this thing that we know is very good for transportation 
and put in rules and regulations about it. So maybe we're just, we're still infants in the stage of social media, and maybe there's a future of it that will be the total saving of civilization. How's that for wishful thinking? I, I, I like that. I, I want to read you some of your kind of greatest hit quotes about science, and, and one of them comes off just something you just said. And I'm I, assuming I, I'm, I said them, because if you got, just got them off the internet, who the hell knows? Uh, no, on. this is this from, I, I, from a couple of articles. So, no, there's a, okay. You said, let's say intelligence is your ability to compose poetry, symphonies, do art, math, and science. Chimps can't do any of that, yet we share 99% DNA. Everything that we are that distinguishes us from chimps emerges from that 1% difference. Just an interesting thought that how... how oh, oh, that... no, no. Okay, by the way, that's not what's most interesting about that thought. Okay. Okay? Okay? That's not even... No, that's not the punchline. Okay. All right? So, yes, everything that distinguishes us is in that 1%. So, what's your response? Is it, what a difference that 1% makes? Is that your response? Or is your response maybe stacking boxes and reaching a banana, as a really smart chimp will do? is not all that different from launching the James Webb Space Telescope. Maybe they're only a 1% difference in intellectual achievement. Because, you might say, well, what do you, Neil, come on. What, so here, imagine a species 1% beyond us in that same vector that we are beyond the chimp. Right. Just imagine them. Yeah. If the smartest chimp does what our toddlers can do, then the smartest human does what their toddlers can do. So they would roll in Stephen Hawking and say, this human is slightly smarter than the rest because he can do astrophysics calculations in his head. Like little Timmy over here, alien Timmy just came home from preschool. Oh, Timmy, that's so cute. You derive the principles of calculus. Oh, oh you composed a sonnet. Let's get a, a magnet and put it on the refrigerator door. <laughs> That's how we should be thinking about that 1% difference from the chimp. And we have the audacity to say, let's search for intelligent life in the universe. That assumes that we're intelligent. And who defined us as intelligent? Well, that's you what tell you, me. You, you're, my, you're, my next nihilism is perhaps we've never been visited by aliens because they have looked upon Earth and decided there's no sign of intelligent life. No sign of intelligent life. <laughs> but okay, because we're the ones who define ourselves as intelligent. That's kind of egocentric if you ask me. And who's to say that that's even accurate? The simplest sentence that you could possibly compose would be completely out of reach of a chimp. You could say something like, uh, oh, uh, Bobo, come back tomorrow at 4.30. I have a shipment of bananas coming in at JFK, um, special for you from, from Belize or whatever. Okay. Right. <laughs> what is JFK? What is an airplane? What is this? What is it 4.30? What is tomorrow? What is that? None of that will make any sense, okay? So now you go to this smart species above us and their simplest sentence, we'd be scratching our heads trying to decode it. So the idea that we have sufficient intelligence to communicate with another intelligent species is itself audacious. Is there another intelligent? Do you believe in life on other planets and other galaxies and other universes? I mean, it's such a simplistic question. I'm not given question. any reason to doubt that the universe isn't teeming with life. Right. What, what, so it's not a matter of belief. The evidence is strong in its favor, though we haven't found it yet. What would you say the evidence is strong in its favor, that we, but we haven't found it yet, for instance? Oh, sure. So, so uh, if you look at what we're made of, the number one atom in the body is hydrogen. 
most of that is in our water molecule because we're mostly water. The number two atom is oxygen. That's mostly in the water molecule and we're mostly water. The number three atom is carbon. You might've heard from science fiction stories where carbon-based life. That's the foundation of all of our proteins and our DNA. Uh, the number four atom is nitrogen. And uh, so those are the top four atoms in our body. Wait a minute. That matches exactly one for one the top four chemically active atoms in the universe. So we are made of the most opportunistic things that are out there. The hydrogen, the oxygen, the carbon, and the nitrogen. Of course, and other elements as well. But those are the biggies. So first, we're not made of anything rare. Second, we suspected planets would be common. Our catalogs now are rising through 5,000 planets around other stars. And that's just in a tiny little neighborhood around the sun. In the, here we are in the suburbs in our own galaxy. Mm -hmm. So not only that, Earth has evidence for life very shortly after it could have possibly formed it at all. Within 200 million years, we had evidence for life on Earth. So we have evidence in our one example that it happened fast. We have evidence in our one example that it's opportunistic and carbon being one of the most common ingredients in the universe and so are planets. I'm not given reason to doubt the prevalence of life in the universe. Oh, and, and the universe is old, right? If this takes time, universe is three times as old as the solar system. So the universe has got this. I, 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 I like hearing it. Neil, I'm sitting here listening. My show, I interview thought leaders, some of the smartest people around, but I'm sitting here really... By the way, I don't want to lead thoughts. I want to, I want to lead think... I want to lead... I want to empower people so they have their own thoughts. Don't follow my thoughts. That's not what this is about. I'm an educator. I, well, I'm just very intrigued by your, your level of, of intellect. And I guess I want to go... I want to ask you, do you remember being... I'm trying to picture you as a four-year-old kid in the schoolyard a five-year-old kid, did you feel your mind was operating different than other kids? Because I'm, I'm trying to imagine you, I'm doing like an old Cosby show episode, you know, an animated series of you as a, as, a, as a kid. And I'm picturing you with other kids. And do you remember saying to yourself, not that I'm smarter than other kids, but that my mind is kind of going in different directions than, than my, not better, not no. worse, but just kind of, you don't, you don't remember that. You don't I always that. thought I was one of the, uh, I never thought myself different at any time. And by the way, that has consequences. So for example, um, by the way, my earliest sense of my interest in science was by age nine. Okay. So I had this very intense interest. I noticed other people didn't also have intense interest, but they were still looking. So that was, I didn't think much of it. Even when I got to college, I knew what I was going to major and I'd known for eight years by then and, and others still didn't know in their own lives. So that was interesting to me that uh, I had an early, early focus. That was different, but I didn't separate myself right. from others in that. I can tell you this, that the, um, in my years in school, at no time did any teacher, would any teacher, if you asked them, tell us about Tyson there, at no time would any of those teachers say, watch him, he'll go far. Our education is none of them. Pick it, picking the winners, huh? <laughs> K through twelve, exactly. This is what teachers do. Right. Here's my best students. They give them all the opportunities, yeah. and everyone else, who cares? Yeah. Right. 
That's what school systems do. Think about it. I teachers complain. How would you know? Oh, you were, you've never been a teacher. Of course I have, but they don't, they didn't look at my resume before they jumped all over it. Plus it's Twitter, which is noise before content. Right. So, so, so that entire, so what that means is my interest in my own ambitions was fed internally, not because I had teachers believing in me and, and ushering me forward to the head of the class. It just did not happen. Part of it is skin color. I'm old enough for that to have been a factor mm -hmm. where people, I, I was interested in physics and math. Oh, you also have athletic talent. Why don't you join the basketball team? Why do, there's the people believing they're acting right. in my interest sure. cannot picture me in occupying my own ambitions. And so the forces operating are such that, and they're not malicious. It's, it's just ignorance. Yeah, right. It's just ignorance. It's, it's, it's implicit bias Yeah, that they don't even know they have, but I see it and I saw it all the time. So I'm, I am where I am, not because of teachers, but in spite of them. A couple of a couple other nihilisms that really struck me. I love this one. Everyone should have their mind blown once a day. Yeah, I, I later. If I were to post that today, I would say once a week is probably more realistic. Once a day. What? That's, that's that's too much. That that's 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 it's unrealistic to get something mind blowing daily. Plus, you know, you need a day to recover from when your mind was blown. So I think once a week should be a what, What's part. an example of, of someone having their mind blown? Give me a, like, so, okay, so this is the kind of thing. Learning that, that we defined our own intelligence and that we may be blithering idiots in the face of aliens. Yeah. To me, that's mind blowing. Yeah. The, the fact that we put ants in an ant farm in your elementary school classroom and there they are moving dirt around and, and the, 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 do they know we're looking at them? Probably not. They probably don't even care. They got their, their tunnels and things. And how do we know aliens didn't create Earth as a literal aquarium terrarium to put all manner of life forms for their own amusement? If it's like a Twilight Zone. Enough, that sounds like a Twilight Zone episode. Of course it does. And if they're smart enough, we would not even know yeah. that they did this. Of course. That's my point. That's a mind To blowing. me, that's mind-blowing. That's a mind-blowing. Okay. Another mind-blowing one. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Give you two for two for one. Here. Oh, wow. This is a bonus. Bonus mind blow. Bonus. Bonus. So we like thinking we're in charge because we're humans. And of course, depending on when you learn biology, you would have seen humans at the top of an evolutionary chart as though we are some kind of pinnacle of that process. If your biology books are early enough, they would show that. They would show, um, you know, humans at the... actually a man, a white man at the top and everything else sort of subservient to that in the entire world, all other life forms. Um, so that's our ego still, and the ego of those who write the books. Uh, so here, we'd like to think we're in charge. So let's go down into your gut, into your large intestine. Do you realize one centimeter of your intestine? So take a one centimeter slice. Do you realize that in that one centimeter, more microbes, basically bacteria, live and work in that one centimeter. More microbes live and work than the total number of humans who have ever been born. Mind blown. And we'd like to think <laughs> we're in charge. According to those microbes, you know what you are? You are a dark anaerobic vessel of fecal matter. <laughs> thought, thought for the That's day. That's what you are. Encouraging thought the, for the day. The right. 
and, and you're a perfectly comfortable place for them to live. And you think you're in charge. Well, disrupt their equilibrium, and they will remind you that they're in charge. As you never lose track of the closest toilet to wherever you happen to stand. I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting mind blown. I, I want to do a couple more of these because I'm just, you, you're so fascinating. Um, you say- No, the universe is fascinating and I'm revealing that fact. Is that what- I'm not saying, I'm just telling you stuff that's true in the, uh, don't credit me, credit the universe. So the expression when people say, trust the universe, what does that mean no, to you? No, 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 because you, I don't know who says that. A lot of but spiritual, a lot of spiritual people, and and it's well, like, I don't know. Well, we're not talking spirits here. We're talking okay. about experiments. Okay. So, here's the thing: the universe is the ultimate judge, jury, and executioner of your ideas. So, in that sense, yes, if you get a result that conflicts, if, no, if you have an idea that conflicts with an experimental result and multiple experimental results, then give it up. Just because you want it to be true doesn't make it true, because the universe does. Uh, is under no obligation to make sense to you. You just took my <laughs> you took my next oh, headline. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, uh, it, it's I just uh, I just love. It. Hey, a couple of things in the news that uh, um, in in New York. I understand tonight a asteroid the size of the Empire State Building is going to fly within within a certain period near the Earth. It reminded me of the movie. Yeah, I news. haven't checked, but we are we are we have more capability to make those measurements than ever before. So it's not that we are at higher risk. It's just that we know more. And so you might feel, you might, it, it may feel different because you get these reports all the time now. It's like we're monitoring the sun better than ever before. So now when the sun burps up plasma gases and sends them towards Earth, we know when it happened and we know when they'll arrive. So these kinds of reports are, are reminders that these are shots across our bow and I think that's in the end a good thing, but we're not any more at risk now than we've ever been. Along, as far history. as risk, what is there anything that you see in the in the realm of cataclysms in the coming centuries or multi centuries, or as you, as a scientist that you go? Hmm. I, I'm not authorized to. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. I'll, I'll say this: in 1900, if you polled people, said what's what's the biggest risk you see to civilization? You get a variety of answers. I'll give you a few. One of them is they're worried about uh, tuberculosis, okay, taking people out. Uh, others were worried about this food supply outstripping the population, okay, and a few other things. None of those on their list from 1900 is on the list in the year 2000. None of them. What's in the year 2000? Uh, AI, will we be there? Will they be our overlords? Um, and by the way, in, in 1900, there weren't... There, where computers didn't exist, right? So um, nuclear holocaust, in 1900, there was no nuclear power, all right? Uh, what else? Uh, asteroid strike, in 1900, we had no real understanding of asteroid orbits crossing that of the Earth. So you're asking me, what am I going to worry about in 100 years? I don't know. <laughs> Come back to me in the year 2100, and it may be a whole other list, different from what we have now. I hear you. That's kind of scary and exhilarating. It's like, might that mean we would have solved the current problems? If no longer is there food shortage in the world. When people go hungry in the world today, it's not because there's not enough food. It's a distribution problem of geopolitics. And we have enough food to feed people up to 10 billion, which is probably where our population will settle at. 
for a variety of interesting reasons, actually. Why? But, Why? Well, of- if you look at the, the, the birth rates are dropping in places where birth rates used to be high, and birth rates are not increasing in places where birth rates have dropped. And so you look at where that would settle out when the entire world, because we used to have six babies because four of them would die before they were age two and still needed some of them to work on the farm. Mm-hmm. So with much higher, with much lower infant mortality, you don't have to have six kids on the hopes that two will survive. You can have two kids and both will survive. So that drops the population. Um, because by the way, you can have two kids thinking four will die, but maybe all six will live, right? Now you got six kids you got to feed. So that's settling out around the world. And it turns out, interestingly, every every sort of group of 20-year interval has about 2 billion people in it. So there's about 2 billion people between age 0 and 20, and 2 billion between 20 and 40, 2 billion between 40 and 60, 2 billion between 60 and 80, and less between 80 and 100 because people are dying off, all right? So that's 8 billion plus smatterings that would get you to 10 billion. And maybe one day we'll, you know, we live healthy lives up to 100. So that'll boost that a little. So it's not going to go much be- unless we start living forever. Then we positively need another planet because we will outstrip Earth's resources. There's been a lot of talk with Elon Musk and SpaceX and colonizing Mars. Give me, give me your take on will, will that ever happen? And, and do we want that to happen? Do we need that to happen? I don't see that happening. I, I, I don't mind the ambition of thinking about it. But we have to look at the practicality of it. Just to be clear, you and I may be plus or minus the same age. There was a time when people said, oh, we'll never get to the moon on doubting that we would ever figure out how. Once we got to the moon, no one doubts anything anymore about what science and technology would accomplish, except for maybe intergalactic travel, right? Warp drives. But getting around the solar system, no one is in tech denial of our ability to do that. So when I say we're not colonizing Mars, it's not because I don't think we know how to do it. It's because somebody has to fork up the money and justify it. And what possible justification could it be, I ask? Do, do you have some idea? I don't. I don't, personally. Okay, so, so, so one of them is you, you want to put your eggs in more than one basket to protect the human species in case we trash Earth or in case an asteroid takes us out. And all I'm saying is, You're not colonizing Mars until you terraform it. Otherwise, everyone's living in habitat modules, right? So you terraform Mars, ship a billion people. Now we're on two planets. I get that. Fine. May I suggest that if you have the power of geoengineering to terraform Mars into Earth, then you have the power of geoengineering to turn Earth back into Earth. This is my big problem with the movie Interstellar. They're looking for other planets to move to because there's a blight on Earth destroying all the crops. Really? A spaceship through a black hole into another dimension (laughs) to populate a planet that you'll still have to convert to be living? That's easier than fixing the blight? (laughs) Really? Just get get back in the freaking lab. (laughs) It's just biology, for goodness sake. Is there a microbe? Get something to fight the microbe. Get some smart people in there, people. So I don't see that as a solution. I see it as a fun thing to do. Set up a Disneyland on Mars. That'd be fun. Uh, set up a new sports on Mars where everybody weighs 
uh, 40% of what they do here on Earth. Uh, that'd be very interesting to do that on the moon. I can see those as places to visit, not as a permanent outpost of the human species. I got two more questions for you. One, another thing in the news today on, on the guise of uh, the uh, intelligence of, of young people today. I, I shouldn't say that. The intelligence, beliefs of young people today, that is a YouGov poll, that 37% of people under the age of 30 believe in astrology. And talk to me as a scientist about astrology. I'm not trying to kill an industry here, but I'm curious your perspective on it. Well, I also learned, I don't know if it was in that same article, that that demographic has a very high frequency of narcissism. <laughs> okay. And astrology feeds narcissism in ways you might not think. So, so what kind of an ego does it take to believe that the universe cares about you. <laughs> Just ask yourself that. <laughs> right? There's the planet Mars among stars scattered in the galaxy that the ancients didn't know were scattered, and so they put their myth mythological meaning to it. And now you believe that that will influence you. You. That's extraordinary. I have no, I have no hesitation accepting the, the, the results that this is a highly narcissistic activity. Now, um, astrology and other, other sort of um, tarot card reading, this sort of thing, uh, it could be a sign of something else, that people feel like they're not in control. Mm-hmm. And they want to have, religion does this too. Yeah. If you feel you're not in control and you want, yet you do want to feel like the world is not random and that you have some meaning, religion can supply that. So can an astrology reading. So can a tarot card reading. The difference is, of course, the, your pastor, your rabbi, your imam, your priest, your tarot card reader, your horoscope writer, in the end, they're really your therapist. Yeah. Right? They're listening to you. They want you to be better off today than you were yesterday. So you'll tell them what your situation is. I met someone, and I don't know if they're for me, I have my job, I hate my boss, what should I do? And you want advice to come from outside of you because it's easier that way, and the accountability doesn't rest with you. If it doesn't work out, you can just blame the stars which, of course, is the opposite of one of the famous quotes of the Bard, where he said, the fault, dear, Bluta, dear Brutus, this is in, in Julius Caesar, of course, the fault, dear Brutus, lies not in, our, in the stars, but in ourselves. Yeah, I love it. I love that response. All right, last question. The premise of this show is that kind of everybody today is a brand in some form or another. What's the Neil deGrasse Tyson brand? I don't have, I, I, people keep asking me that. I don't, no, I don't know. I don't know that I have a brand. I well, don't... let me define brand and then maybe you can, because sometimes people Here's, say... here's how I know I don't okay. have a brand. You ready? Mm -hmm. I agreed to do a cameo in Sharknado 6. But Okay? That tells me you do have a brand, because if you didn't have a brand, <laughs> if you didn't have a brand, then they would, they're, they're borrowing your brand. They, they want to add value to their property. Okay, so here it is. Fine. So you know what I agreed to do? I agreed to play Merlin. Okay, 
which made some sense. Okay. To, and their Merlin in that movie was doing real science, and everyone thought Merlin was doing magic. So I said, I could do that. I could play that role. I'll do that. Now, I'm very upset because I, I thought the Academy overlooked my performance. Yes, I thought so too. <laughs> I, I would say, as, as the branded guy, I would say your brand is, is, is that you are the, the world's, the world's most, most well-known scientist and bringing science into our culture in a way that nobody else is doing it. So yeah, I, I'm okay with what, I'm fine with what you said, but I want to add to it with a little extra punctuation. So I also have a podcast. It's called Star Talk. Yes which was birthed 12, 13 years ago on a grant from the National Science Foundation. And, and why was it a grant? Because I didn't think, I, because I was sure that no one would buy into the idea that we could have a podcast where people learn science. So we said, well, how would we do this? So here's what we did. We said, why don't we combine pop culture with the science? Because everyone is fluent in pop culture. That's the definition of pop culture. Mm -hmm. So you show up at the doorstep with this pop culture scaffold, and I take the science and clad that scaffold with it. Oh, and I'm going to throw in some humor because when you laugh, you come back for more. So if I had a brand using this, using this concept, I would say it is doing whatever I can to stitch together three strands of this DNA molecule science, pop culture, and humor in a way that you will embrace everything you learn and come back for more. And you, you won't even know that you're learning and you're learning and you walk away empowered so that you don't say, this is true because Tyson said so. If it comes to that, I have failed as an educator. You're going to say, this is true and here's why. Because you walked away with an understanding of why it was true. God, I, I, so if I have a brand I think that's, that's doing that, and by the way, that takes effort. Staying connected to pop culture. I got to yeah. see what the latest TV show is and the latest movie and what are they talking about at the water cooler? What did Beyonce do? What did the Pope say? Right. What did um, Elon Musk? You know, so this there's a part of my life where I'd rather just go to the Bahamas, right? <laughs> so this is where I'm investing in my capacity to communicate. On the grounds that if I did not, I would be irresponsible as a scientist, as an educator, if I walk the other direction. Neil deGrasse Tyson, the new book is Welcome to the Universe in 3D. Uh, it's incredibly compelling. You are incredibly compelling. I know how busy you are. I really appreciate your time today, my friend. All right, thank you. Thanks for, thanks for your interest. All right, have a great day. Thank you for listening to today's uh, On Brand with Donnie Deutsch. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our interview with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, remember to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. Um, go to Apple, go to Spotify, anywhere. Please subscribe, please rate and review. And also you can watch our videos on YouTube. Please leave your comments there and subscribe there. And we'll see you next week on On Brand. Stay safe. Hi, this is Jim Jeffries. I have a podcast out called I Don't Know About That. Each episode is a different subject. We bring an expert on and I say everything I think I know about that subject and then they correct me. Join in, listen to the podcast, you'll have a laugh and you might learn something. Follow, rate and review I Don't Know About That with Jim Jeffries. Now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. You can also catch video releases each week on YouTube.